Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining today. Today we have on Gloria Greenfield. She currently lives in Rhode Island. She's 46 years old and Gloria has a very unique story. Back in September 2021, she was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and she found the work of Dr. Jason Fung and she set out to reverse her type 2 diabetes through diet and intermittent fasting. And she noticed at a certain point that it really wasn't working to normalize her blood sugars. And upon becoming very frustrated with the lack of blood sugar control that she could achieve with diet and fasting, she was later diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And interestingly, she treats her type 1 diabetes much the same way that she was trying to reverse her type 2 diabetes, and that is through diet and fasting. Those two themes come up over and over again in this interview. Gloria has also lost a tremendous amount of weight. She's lost 52 pounds and maintains her weight loss through the same ways that she manages her blood sugar, through diet and intermittent fasting. She's got a great story. It's one that we haven't heard on this podcast. So I'm very excited to share Gloria's story with you. And also, if you look in the show notes, you can see where to find her blog. It's very well written, and she goes into a lot of detail about her journey. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I know I enjoyed speaking to Gloria. Hi, Gloria. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Lucy, for having me. Very excited. Uh, I can't wait to hear your story, but before we get into it, do you want to just give me a little bit of background about yourself? Yes. Um, so I live in Rhode Island. I am originally from Venezuela. I've been living in Rhode Island for 21 years now. This is my home. Um, and I have two jobs. I am the deputy director of operations at a local nonprofit that serves victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and human trafficking. And I'm also a portrait and wedding photographer. So I started that business during COVID. I had been a lover of photography for a, for a few years. But then when COVID hit, I'm like, okay, I need to do something with my life other than just being on back-to-back Zoom meetings. So I decided to register my business in May of 2020, and it just it just took off from there. I was not expecting the growth to be this, this crazy. Uh, this year, I basically became another full-time job. So I have my regular 40-hour week um, job. And then on the weekends, I do scene photography and weddings. So, oh yeah. my gosh, <laughs> I am so impressed with you. That's a lot. It and is a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> yeah. You seem to manage it all quite well. And, and that's interesting too, because you, you started this business and then you also had some issues come up with your health. So that must've just been like adding another job on top of that. Yes. So maybe you can talk us through, and I really 
I'm really curious to hear your story because um, I think it's one that's more common than people even know, um, but I'll let you tell it, but it's just, it's something that is really, you know, kind of fascinating to me. And I bet a lot of the listeners of this podcast either have maybe have gone through this themselves or know somebody that has. So I'll let you tell me a little bit about what happened with your diabetes diagnosis. Yeah. So it was last year on my 45th birthday, I wasn't feeling good. I don't know if people have felt these kind of symptoms before, but um, I was feeling like my skin was tight. Like I had some, like I was achy. I felt strange. And I had had potassium issues before, like my potassium levels depleted at some point. I had to go to the ER. Um, it was like super dangerous. So I called my husband and I said, I don't feel good. Something is going on. He's like, go to the doctor, go get your blood work done. Um, and I'm like, oh, but it's my birthday. He's like, go, go. He was like shocked actually that it went on my birthday. So I called my doctor. I'm like, can you just do like some quick blood work? Just to, I just want to rule out that is it's not potassium issues so I went I went out to celebrate my dinner my, my birthday I had a big pasta dinner and dessert and margaritas I was like yay me 45 awesome next day my doctor calls me he's like okay I have news it's not potassium but you have diabetes and I'm like uh do you mean pre-diabetes? He's like, no, no, no. It's full-blown diabetes. Like your your sugar was like 380. And, and I'm like, he's talking gibberish to me. I have no idea. I think this was the first time I ever heard about A1C and blood sugars. Like, you know, you go to the doctor, you, you assume that they know what they're talking about. And I never saw my records. Like, I never registered to see my records before that. So that's a whole different story. Like I was pre-diabetic and no one told me because I had never seen my records. And when I started like investigating what this was about, I realized that I had been pre-diabetic. So anyways, he said that he said, you need to get on insulin right away. You need to get on metformin right away. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Like you're not going to start medicating me like without me knowing what's going on. So, um, he prescribed that he's like, okay, start with the metformin and, and then we'll go and get a monitor. Like he, he asked me to check my blood sugar once a day. He said, just check in the morning. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now I think I have to do a little bit more than that. So I got the monitor, I got the metformin and then I started checking and I immediately, like this was the day after my birthday. <clears throat> and I went on this huge depression because I was like, you know, I am healthy. I'm doing the the quote the quotation signs because I was overweight. I was 186 pounds when I got diagnosed, and I'm 5'4. So that's that's pretty heavy for my frame. So um I was like, I was like, I cried myself to sleep for two weeks straight. Uh every time I would talk about it, I would cry. I told my boss, and I'm like, I have diabetes. Uh and and I it, you know, you would think oh, someone told me like, you're going to die in six months. Like that's how I took it. Like I told my husband, why are we saving for retirement? If I'm, I'm not even see retirement, like I was like super depressed. So um, I, and I'm a very positive person. Like for me to be in that state, it was like, everybody around me was like, this is bad. So I love audiobooks. And then I, I just Google, um, I looked on Audible. I just typed diabetes because I wanted to see, I, like, I didn't just want to take medication and, and feel like not being in control. And the doctor also 
prescribed me glimipiride. And when I went to pick it up, the pharmacist was like, is this the first time you take this? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, the doctor gave you the highest dose. It was like eight milligram. And I had never taken blood, um, blood sugar medication. So the pharmacist said to me, I would start with two milligram if I was you and carry glucose tablets. So he's talking to me and I'm like, what is this? Like, nobody's telling me exactly what to do. What is this about glucose tablets that you're talking about? And I talked to a friend of mine that who was diabetic. She's like, oh, glimipra is bad. Like I've got into two car accidents because my blood sugar, it's been low by taking. I'm like, oh no, 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 this is bad. So I, I did not, I literally threw it in the trash. I'm like, I am not going to take this medication. And I went on Audible and I found The Diabetes Code by Dr. Jason Fong. <clears throat> so I listened to that book within three days and it was eye-opening for me. And I'm like, that's it. I can reverse type 2 diabetes. Oh, by the way, the diagnosis was type 2. I don't think I said that. It was a type 2 diabetes diagnosis. So I'm like, that's it. I'm going to reverse. I'm going to reverse type two diabetes. And I said to my husband, I said to everybody in my house and I'm like, guys, I'm going on a very low carb diet and I am going to start fasting. Uh, I am not going to make two different meals. You guys eat what I make or fend for yourself because I, I have to care for me. And everybody's like, that's fine. We're on board. My husband got on board. And I started going very low carb, almost keto, and I started fasting. So the first day that I did a 24 hour fast, I took my blood sugar from like 230 to 105. And that alone was like mind blowing. I'm like, okay, I got this. I think I can, I think I can reverse diabetes. And I started losing weight. The first month I lost 10 pounds. The second month I lost 10 pounds. The third month I lost, I lost 40 pounds in four months. People were like, what are you doing? So when I started sharing my weight loss, people were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I think I need to create a support group. I think I need to tell people what I'm doing because for me, I have been dealing with weight gain since I was a teenager, I've always been in yo-yo diets. I've always been in, in whatever diet comes, you know, in the media, I tried it and I would lose the weight and I would gain it back. I tried CrossFit. I tried the macros. I try, um, I never try Atkins because for some reason never occurred to me, but the cabbage soup, I try, um, I, there was a time that I, I was eating like, um, K cereal, K, uh, the K cereal for breakfast with skim milk. Uh, I was doing like chicken and salad for lunch. It was like horrible. And I, yeah, I would lose the weight and gain it right back. When I listened to the diabetes code, it, I, it just, I just went on a rabbit hole of, of research and education. And then I listened to the obesity code. And then I listened to the guide, um, the, the guide to fasting. And it was like, this is it. This is the most sustainable weight loss I've ever had in my life. Effortlessly, I was fasting for three days at a time. Um, I would do like the 72 hour fast, like once a month. And it was, and people were like, what do you mean you're not eating for three days? People were horrified. People thought I was like, I don't know, um, I, I, like I, I was coming anorexic. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is therapeutic. And I would like explain the process and kind of um, explain the science behind that. And, and 
people started getting fascinated with it. So I'm like, okay, I think I need to write a blog. So every time like people would get interest, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to write a blog and I want to share because I feel that that was also accountability for me because I mean, it's a lot of information to take in and I'm like, I'm learning this. I want to put it in writing. So if I have to refer back, it's going to be right there in front of me. So even though I was not eating, I was doing like a lot of fasting. I was doing a lot of OMAD, like one meal a day, the 24 hour fast, like three, four times a week. I was very, very low carb. I started like cooking with a lot of heart of palm and cabbage and like um, non-starchy vegetables, a lot of meat. Like I would test my ketones and I would be at 3.5 in my ketones and my blood sugar would still be 130. And I was like, what is going on and it was so frustrating for me because I was doing everything by the book I was doing everything my, my my husband says you're like a dog with a bone like once you set your mind to something you you got it and like I want to in my mind it's like I'm going to reverse diabetes I'm going to reverse diabetes so Tell when me I got something. That, yeah when you were doing this did you when you were like you know still having those 130 blood sugars were you on metformin at the time still, or were yes. you that? Okay, I so was were, in the highest okay. of metformin. I was taking four, 500 milligrams a day, my highest of metformin. And still my sugars would not, like during the day while I was not eating, they were fine. I never had a blood sugar under 100. Never, ever, ever. Not even during a three-day fast. Never under 100. Um, and if I ate, bacon and eggs which is like the most keto friendly food my sugar will rise to 140 150 and it, it just didn't make any sense and then I had people like I had a friend whose brother got diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and he, she's like you need to read blotter's blog you need to read so he read the blog he adopted what I was doing and his morning sugar was 85 and I'm like how is it possible that someone that's doing it for two weeks get an 85 blood sugar and I've been doing it for four months and my blood sugars are still high in the morning. So when I got diagnosed, my A1C was 8.8. And then in February, when I went back for my checkup, I got it to a 6.0 and which was a huge victory for me because uh, again, I wasn't taking insulin. I remember going to my primary care doctor at, right after my diagnosis, and I said to him, because I'm, I, I feel like I'm like my mom, like am I my, my, I'm gonna be my best advocate. So I said to the doctor, so tell me something. I was like, man, um, is my pancreas producing insulin? He's like, yeah. So why are you giving me insulin? I am not going to take insulin. I'm going to change my diet. And he's like, I'm just telling you, you know, you should start insulin. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to take insulin. I was like completely against insulin because based on the book that I, that I read, the, the diabetes code, that's more for type two. And, you know, in, in that book, it's like, if you have type two, insulin is not the answer. Diet is the answer. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to take insulin. So in February, okay, my, my um, A1C was 6.0 and I continued my diet. I kept losing weight. I lost a total of 52 pounds. And by April, I had already lost all my, all the weight, 52 pounds, which I actually got too skinny. And everybody was like, you need to stop. My husband's like, you need to stop fasting. You need to, I'm like, if I don't fast, my sugar's don't budge. So the only, in my mind, the only way I could control my blood sugar was by, by fasting. So I, I stopped doing the long fast, but I was doing, uh, um, 
uh, one meal a day or two meal a day and no snacks. So that, that was like my consistent diet and very, very low carb. In hindsight, I feel like I did not go into diabetic ketoacidosis because of my diet. Had I, go, had I been doing a regular full standard American diet um, type of eating, I think I would have gone into keto, uh, diabetic ketoacidosis because I, doing keto, doing strict keto, my sugars were 140, 150. So I can't even imagine what would have been um, if I didn't change my diet. So anyways, um, in April, my A1C went up and I'm like, what is going on? Like, it was so frustrating. I stopped wearing the CGM. I'm like, I don't want to look at it all the time. This is not working, but I'm going to keep doing it because it's, it's at least I'm skinny. That's what I would At least I'm skinny. So I'm just going to keep going with my diet. Um, I went from size 12 to size zero in five months. I'm like, I'm not going to lose all this work. So I'm going to stay with my diet. I went on a trip to Europe with my daughter and we went to Italy. I only had pasta one day and my sugar went to 400. So I'm like, that's it. I cannot eat this. So I was very frustrated when I came back from the trip. I called my doctor. I said, something is not right. Like nothing I do, um, it's working. And I have been doing research. Can you please do a C-peptide test? Can you please do an antibody test? She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to send that. So I always say, I self-diagnose as type one, because I, I, it was like, it, this makes zero sense that I am so careful with my diet and my blood sugar and my A1C went to 7.2 in three months. So I went from, wow. from 8.8 .8 to 6.0 to 6.8 to 7, like it was just going up and up and up and up. And obviously I'm not insulin resistant anymore because I lost the weight. My cholesterol was perfect. Like every other level was perfect except for the blood sugar. So now, was this doctor, was this doctor a regular, you know, at that point was, was my endo. endo at that okay. point was my endo. Yes. Okay. I told my endo to, to, to test me for type one. Wow. And then that's when you figured it out. Yeah. I find you have to be your own best advocate. Otherwise a lot of things will slip through the cracks. Like with you, especially because you know, you're in that range where I actually think you were, you activated your honeymoon period when you got on the metformin and started losing the weight with the keto diet. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably what happened. And then you were able to extend it. I was able to extend my honeymoon period when I got type one for quite a while through a very low carb diet. Yeah. Um, and then there comes a point where the honeymoon ends just like it does for all of us. And then you have to figure out what happened, but yours was especially confusing because you thought you had type two and it was becoming very frustrating. So I can't imagine the emotions that you were feeling at that time. Yes. I mean, it got to a point that, um, I got a little obsessive with my blood sugar because I, I would be like the experiment of one. I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this and see if that works. I'm going to try this food and see if that works. And I, I thought I could control my blood sugar completely with food, which it could have been the case if it was a type two, but it was not. So yeah, it got to a point that my research led me to believe I was type one. Um, and I had, I, I didn't accept the fact until I got the actual diagnose, the diagnosis. So I now I signed up to see my records online. So I got an email saying your, your test is ready. And I remember sitting with my phone and I'm like, I'm going to open this result. And, and I think I know the answer, but Again, this is gibberish. It's statistical numbers. So here I am Googling what GAD 45 level, blah, blah, blah. 
And I'm like, oh my God, without my doctor calling me, I'm like, I am Taiwan. And I was that week, I was moving my daughter to college. So imagine the pain of knowing that now I have to use insulin for the rest of my life and the pain of moving my daughter who's like my best friend to call. It was like a horrible, horrible week, horrible. And then my doctor's like, I'm going to send an emergency. I was, I was diagnosed on a Monday and we were traveling at midnight to South Carolina from Rhode Island because we're going to bring my daughter. So she called in the um, Basaglar because she's like, you need to start on this right away. And she called in the, the order and the pharmacy that is close to me. So I, it was like a disaster trying to get that medication before I went on um, that trip. And the doctor's like, okay, start with 10. And then tomorrow you add one more. And then the next, like, literally that was the instruction. And I'm like, I went on a Facebook group and I'm like, okay, my doctor's telling me this. And, and the people is like, don't do that. You're going to go too low in the middle of the night and then you're going to die. And I'm like, oh my God. So it's like this fear of dying. Like I became so afraid of insulin for the first month because I'm like, I mean, I know it can kill you. <laughs> and then she gave me Basaglar, but she didn't explain. This is just for your basal insulin. It doesn't cover food. So here I am, ignoring me, ignorant me, went on this trip to South Carolina and I'm like, I think I can have sushi because now I'm putting in um, insulin. Oh my gosh. I had sushi one night. My sugar went to 450 that my glucose meter it's through my insurance. I got a phone call saying, are you okay? Because it was 457 after sushi. And I did not want to go to sleep because I'm like, I need to wait until this comes down at least to 300. I'm okay with 300. I've done 300 before because, you know, when I, thought it was type two. Um, it, it was horrible. And then when I came back, I called my endo and I'm like, um, I don't think this is working. She's like, okay, that means you need your meal time insulin. And that's when she, she sent me the, um, Novolog, but no instructions. She said, do start your low carb, right? I'm like, yeah, okay. Start with four units and see how that what that does to you and I'm like oh my gosh so I had to figure out what my insulin to carb ratio is I had to figure out the bolus time like everything on my own I found the juice box podcast so I learned so much from like they were literally my diabetes educators because in one week that I went on those like like I just pick and choose what I needed because I need to get this fast. Um, in the beginning, I had like crazy high, low roller coasters. I'm like, I'm dying. And my CGM that I was wearing didn't have any alarm. So here I am setting my alarm every hour and a half to wake me up, to test my blood sugar, because I wanted to make sure I wasn't dying. And yeah, it was, it was a month from hell. And add that to like my business had exploded over the summer. I took, I, I got a contract to do 320 senior sessions in eight weeks and having that kind of work on top of weddings, on top of my full-time job, I was on a sabbatical, but still it was a lot of work and putting type one diabetes on top of that. It felt like a, another full-time job. It felt like I was exhausted. I, I, I went again through that cycle of um, 
of grieving. Like I was angry. I was, I was sad. I was depressed. I was, I was hopeful, like everything in between. Like some days I had like, I got this. Yes. I'm going to put some insulin. And then I'm like, holy cow, I'm shooting myself insulin. What is this? There's no diabetes in my family, either side. I am the first one ever to deal with this. Like my family still can't believe it. I shoot myself insulin in front of them all the time. And, and then they just like make a feel like, oh my God, she's really doing that. Like, yeah, I'm the same. My family, nobody <laughs> has diabetes and I'm the lucky one, but oh, what a story you have. And I just want to tell, you know, reiterate for the listeners that this is all very recent. Like you were diagnosed with type two in September, 2021. Yes. And then what was it? August, or August, August this past August. Yes. August 15th. I was diagnosed uh, with, with type one. And we're now so, in November. So, yes. you know, it's like you you're barely in this and I am so sorry that nobody really educated you. I think a lot of us type ones have a very similar story. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that juice box podcast is a lifesaver. And I've had diabetes for 25 years. And I found that podcast a few years ago and it was it taught me so many things that an endocrinologist or a dietitian never told me. And it, I'm so glad you found it so quick because it, it's so helpful. It is. And I, I just actually went to my first appointment with my endo after being diagnosed. So I just saw her on Wednesday. So two days ago, three days ago. Um, and she's like, oh, you haven't seen a diabetes educator yet, right? I'm like, no. She's like, I think you should see her. I'm like, fine. I mean, my A1C right now is 5.8. I think I'm doing pretty good on my own. But um, she was like, so how do you figure out your um, insulin to carb ratio? I'm like, I think it's seven. She's like, no, it cannot be seven. That's too low. I think you're putting too much insulin. I'm like, I am low carb and I'm using like 10 units of Novolog a day and I'm barely eating any carbs. She's like, no, I think you're like one to 16. I'm like, if I do one to 16, I'm going to be in the three and 400. Like I know my body. I know, I don't know why I think it's seven, but I, I came down to that number, but usually I use insulin uh, as meal estimation. So I look at a meal, I'm like, I think this is five. <laughs> I think this is seven. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but because I eat so low carb, like my margin of error is so little that I can correct and I'm fine. Yeah. Have you heard of, um, Dr. Bernstein? Yes, absolutely. So that was, so when I, I, um, was diagnosed with type one, then I went on a different kind of research, like the diabetes code, the obesity code helped me to understand insulin as a, like as a way to lose weight, like use insulin to lose weight or think of insulin to lose weight. But when I knew I had to inject insulin, then I went out at the different research and I found Dr. Bernstein and it was again, eye-opening. And I'm like, this makes so much sense. They love small numbers, they love small numbers. So that has become my motto. Like Obviously, I'm a little bit more adventurous with uh, food right now. Like, um, if I want to have a bite of dessert, I will have it, but it's a bite. I'm not going to have the whole cake because, again, love small numbers. I don't want to have to put seven units of insulin for a piece of cheesecake, but I can do one or two if I want to have a little piece. So I try to kind of make sure I don't overdo it for two reasons. One, because I, I, 
I just don't want to put so much insulin that there's not necessary. And two, I, I like feeling healthy and I like the way I, I am right now. I actually gained eight pounds since diagnosis, but like I, I read everywhere. It's like, those probably were pounds that I needed to put on because I was too skinny. I was, I was withering away. So yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm stable right now. And I, I continue fasting. I continue very low carb. I still indulge, you know, on the weekends or whatever Uh, on vacation, I indulge from time to time, but 80% of my food is low carb. So tell me something, um, because you, your mindset had a transition when you went from the type two mindset where you were trying to do as long as possible fast, because that was what was in your mind, bringing your blood sugars down to type one, where it's a little bit of a different story. And obviously you have the challenge of insulin on board, even if it's just your long acting, you know, that you have to deal with. How did your fasting regimen change from the type two mindset to the type one mindset? So when I was told I was type one, I'm like, well, I guess my fasting days are over because, you know, you always hear that you get really low if you don't eat. And um, which is funny because when I first got diagnosed with type two, I was like, oh, I have to eat every three hours. Otherwise I'm going to pass out. Like this old misconception about, oh my God, I have so many myths in my head. Um, but then as a type one, I'm like, okay, I guess if I if I don't eat, you know, it's really bad for me. And, um, and that's when I started reading, like people who get like adults who get diagnosed with type one, they gain a lot of weight because they're trying to correct the lows. And that's usually what makes you gain weight. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I work so hard to be thin. So, um, but then because I was still eating very low carb, I started testing my basal insulin what my doctor told me. So I sat at a 10 and then I went to 11 and then I went to 12 and then I went really low over nine. I'm like, no, no, no. Then I went back and then I went back to like, I was, I experimented between seven and 12. So I would do a couple of days and I said, what is is this again that you're using for your long acting? Basaglar. Basaglar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Keep going. So I, at seven, I would wake up in the morning in like the one twenties and I'm like, and then nobody's telling me this Lucy, like I am figuring all this out on my own using what I, information I got in the podcast, using information I got from the Dr. Bernstein book. Um, I knew I had to get my basal insulin right. And so I, I, I started like going back and forth. I'm settled at 11 right now. And when I do 11 at night, I wake up like 85, 90, and I can go all day without eating. And my sugar is 100% stable, stable. Or like, it's like a flat line. When I went to see my, uh, my doctor this past couple of days, she has access to my lib review so she can see my, um, like the average glucose and all that, because when she saw the A1C, she's like, okay, let me see if this is a real A1C. And it's not like you're just go all, going all over the place. And when she saw that flat line, she's like, she asked me, I'm like, are you still fasting? I'm like, yeah, I'm still fat. I, I don't eat breakfast. I skip breakfast every single day. I fast at least for 14 hours every day. And I throw in, you know, a 24 hour here and there, like a couple times a week. She's like, oh, good that's fine. She said, that means your basal is right. I'm like, yeah, no, I know it's right. Because she said, if your basal is right, you shouldn't go low. 
And I'm like, okay, so you just reinforce what I knew. She said to me, if your basal is right, you should not go low if you don't eat. So that, ha that has been working for me. My basal is perfect. Like I don't go, um, usually when I get, now I got the new Libra three. So I get the low alarm and I can see like taking a deep dive. And I'm like, it's a compression. And I test with my finger, with, you know, with a regular monitor and it's fine. It's like 75, 80 um, during the night. So, so tell, tell me something when you, sorry to interrupt you, when you um, do longer fast, because this is a, something I, I struggle with. And I think a lot of type ones do as well, whether you're on MDI or you're on a pump, if you change your fasting schedule from doing a 14 hour fast, like you do a lot of days to a 24 hour, do you then scale back your long acting? No, not at okay. all. Not at all. It stays the same every day. I don't change it at all. Um, I'm an MDI. So it's, it's just easy for me just to put my 11 units at night, go to bed and I can go the next and I don't get hungry. I don't know if it's because I am so fat adapted that I can skip a couple of meals and I, of course, I, I mean, you know, you get the hunger pangs from time to time. And then I just have a cup of coffee and, um, or a, a seltzer water and then it goes away. I stay busy, it goes away and come home, make dinner. And like, I, I don't get desperate for food anymore. I used to be the worst hangriest person ever <laughs> before diabetes, before it, like I, I, I was like, I need to eat. I was like the sneakers commercial. Like I had to have an emergency something, um, but I don't get like that anymore. And I am so thankful that I was able to understand basal insulin because fasting just became part of who I am. It's, it's the name of my blog. It's what I tell people works. It's what a lot of my friends and family have done to lose weight. Like I have, I, 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 I have a lot of people have followed my ideas and lost tons of weight. Like I'm, I'm talking 50, 60 pounds in six months. And it's just because it works. I know it works. My husband jumped on board with me and he lost 40 pounds. Like I said, between the two of us lost about a hundred pounds like combined and it just became part of who, who we are like we only eat breakfast when we're on vacation because you eat when you're on vacation and but for the most part we don't we just don't it, I cannot eat anything like it's 11 30 eastern time and I'm like I'm not even hungry like things the thought of food is like doesn't cross my mind yeah that's that's amazing how that happens especially so you've been doing you've been fasting for a little over a year because you were diagnosed yes. with type 2 in September 21 so yes you're, you just passed your year anniversary. And so at this point, you, you start eating around 11 and then what time do you close your window at if you're doing like a, on a typical day? Yeah, around seven. So I don't eat until noontime between 12 and one, depending how busy my day is. Um, I pack my lunch every day. Like I, I like cooking in batches. So I always have food ready for me to take. And I, yeah, I close my window around seven, seven thirty. the latest. So I'm not super strict. Like if it's a Friday night and we're hanging out then we, if dinner is served at eight, that's fine by me. Like I don't, I'm not super, super strict with, with the time, but no less than 14 hours that I know no less okay. than 14 hours. And I noticed something on your blog, which I want to speak about too, which is something that I think a lot of people that come to fasting don't quite understand in the beginning, which is you avoid snacking. Cause I think a lot of people they're like, Oh, my eating window is open. I can just eat all day long. So 
on your blog, you speak a lot about avoiding snacking. And maybe you can just go into a little bit of that mindset because if you're eating lunch and then maybe you eat again, you close at 7.30, maybe you're eating two full meals in there. What do you do for that interim period in terms of not, not snacking? So that's what I learned on the diabetes code and the obesity code because the thought of having insulin like floating around in your body, let's put type one on the side. Let's not think about exogenous insulin. Let's, let's think about what a normal pancreas does, right? You eat, insulin gets released, brings your blood sugar down, and then, you know, it's all set. And then you eat again, two hours later, insulin gets released and the whole process repeats every time you eat. Right. So when I read this, it was a revelation for me. I'm like, okay. And then I learned that insulin is the fat storing hormone. Okay. So that means every time I eat that little thing called insulin is going to take all this blood sugar and make it into fat and store it in my body. And that's why I was never able to lose the weight efficiently and, and consistently and like with sustainability. So the same thought applies to me as a type one. I feel like a lot of people assume that I now can eat anything and everything I want because I just have to cover it with insulin. I could, of course I can, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna gain weight if I do that because insulin is insulin, whether it's from the pancreas or whether it's from a pump or from, from a syringe, insulin is insulin. So if I eat something and I have to put three units of insulin and then three hours later, I'm gonna eat something else and I'm gonna put four units of insulin, that, that is gonna, that is, it's going to pay back. <laughs> it's going to start storing fat in my body because carbs become fat and insulin is to transport and just going to put it on my body. And why am I going to do that to myself? Snacking is just a habit. And and it's a terrible habit. Like my husband still snacks and during his window, like he can do whatever he wants. For me, it doesn't work like that because I know snacking is what kept me overweight for decades because you know, you, you are, you are told, you are taught, you got to eat small meals every three hours. You got to eat five times a day, because if you don't like, you have to keep your metabolism going. Like to me, learning about insulin before being a type one was incredible. And it was the solution to my problems. Basically I knew if I could control insulin, I could control my body. And when I became type one, I'm like, nothing has changed, still the same. And when I have my meal, like if I wanna eat a cookie, a dessert, whatever, I am going to make sure I eat it with my meal. So if I have to put 10 units, which I've done, it's scary. Oh my gosh. Knowing that I have to put 10 units, it's like, oh my God, I've gotta make sure I eat enough carbs. Um, but I do it and then I don't eat again for another four, five, six, seven hours. Like I, I leave a lot of time in between my meals. I'm letting insulin do their, their job and wait until this, you know, the next time to eat and do it again. Like I, I limit the amount, I limit the frequency of insulin in my body, if that makes sense. It's not so much limiting the amount, it's limiting the frequency. If I'm going to put insulin, it's going to be only three times a day, which is my lunch insulin, my dinner insulin, and my nighttime insulin. That's it. 
that's 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 my go-to that's that's the strategy that has worked for me yeah that's that's beautifully put and it's you know gosh you have learned so much in this last a little over a year i mean i've had type one for 25 years and i would say that it took me a lot of that time to put all these pieces together i'm amazed at how quickly you have figured all of this out like you're it's incredible what you've figured out in this short period of time but you're 100 percent right if you can avoid having a lot of insulin on board throughout the day it will serve you well um and yes the snacking really contributes to that where if you are snacking obviously you have to keep adding more and more insulin in and i think as a type a new type one you have a real legitimate fear of lows i mean i've had lows for 25 years now they don't bother me as much anymore but for you, only a couple months in, those lows can feel really scary. Mm-hmm. And you, you're you still tr- kind of figuring the insulin out, especially when you eat something that's a little bit off plan for you. And you don't want to end up with these scary lows because you don't know exactly how much carb is going to take to treat it. And you don't want to end up on the roller coaster. So I understand completely why you do what you do. And it makes perfect sense. Yes. And, and I've learned in three months using insulin that Again, they love small numbers, right? If I eat something that is in the lowish side of carbs and I put too much insulin, it only takes me a couple of Skittles to correct. That's like eight calories. Like I'm not going to gain three pounds by eating two Skittles here and there. So I feel like it's is that roller coaster caused by a heavy carb meal. That is the problem. I feel like it doesn't matter if, if you're type one, type two, no diabetes at all. It's that consistent high carb diet that is it causes the problems. I noticed, it, this is crazy. I noticed as soon as I started putting in, um, more carbs in my body, because now I have the insulin, I don't have to fear the high blood sugars anymore. My joints started hurting again. Like it, it's inflammation. It's absolutely 100% contributed by the carbs, the inflammation. I can feel it in my joints. I can, when I stop the carbs, inflammation goes away. It's just, it's like magic. So I don't like how I feel when I eat a heavy carb meal. I haven't still, as a, as a type one, I haven't had regular pasta because I just don't feel like bolusing for that. Like, it's not worth it. Like how much insulin is that going to take? It's like, is it going to be right? It's like, it's, Yes, I can probably, I can probably figure it out. Like, like I've done, I've been doing other things, but it's just not worth it for me. Like, I don't want to eat the carbs because I don't like how they make me feel. I just don't. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I'm finally, after all these years have come to the same conclusion, you know, as I think when you're diagnosed, when you're younger, you go through some different phases of, you know, coming to terms with your diabetes. And I was 17 when I got it. And so my thought process was like, oh, I want to eat like a normal person. And so I would do that. And then I would end up with these high blood sugars and low blood sugars from too much insulin and keep riding the roller coaster literally for years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there comes a point, you know, we're in a, a similar age range here where you just say it's not worth it. And you came to that conclusion very quickly because, you know, it's, you're at this age. I think a lot of people in this age range sort of stop fighting their body so much. Mm-hmm. So I'm very impressed that you came to that conclusion so quickly. And, and I was a carboholic, like I lived, I mean, I'm from Venezuela, we eat rice, beans, arepas, like that, that's in our daily life. Like I, as a baby, you're eating like this 
corn cakes with butter. Like you're fed that as soon as you have a little bit of teeth in your mouth. So I grew up eating carbs. Carbs were part of my life. It's, it's, it's part of who we are as a society. But whether you're a type one, type two or whatever, carbs are just bad news for your body in excess. Like, like Dr. Fon says, right? That those makes the poison. I'm not saying all carbs are bad because I love sweet potatoes and I love juca and I love that kind of things. But in moderation, right? Like I'm not going to have it every day because I know it's not good for me. And I, you know, if I want to enjoy it because life happens, birthday happens, celebration happens, I'm going to have the piece of cake, but I'm not going to have it every day because it's not good for me. So um, I feel like if we, if we think of, of carbs, not so much as the enemy, but like we have to think about how damaging it can be for many other reasons, not just the blood sugar, like cholesterol. If you do the, if you look at the research, high cholesterol, it's mostly caused by a high carb diet. So you just have to look around and see the obesity problem. It's a, it's a carb problem. It's an insulin problem. It's an, it's an hyperinsulinemia problem. So there's no doubt that a type one can also become insulin resistant, can also have hyperinsulinemia. So I already did the research as a type two and I know what it can do. So I am applying the exact same knowledge to to my life as a type one. The same thing can happen to me. I, I, I know I don't have any insulin resistance. My doctor actually stopped the metformin when I got diagnosed. She's like, you don't need it. You are not insulin resistant. Um, but I know I can become if I put insulin five, six, seven times a day, because it's like, my body's like, okay, what are you doing woman? Um, yeah, so no, yeah, it's a, it's a good point because, you know, and I've, since I've had it for 25 years, I've gone through all different body shapes and weights. And I know that when I gain weight, you know, my insulin to carb ratio changes, my insulin sensitivity factor changes, everything has to get amped up and my basal rates go up for the higher weight. So mm-hmm. yes, you end up with more insulin resistance, which is, you know, I guess type ones don't really think of it that way. It's more, you know, you think more of that when you're a type two, but it is the same thing because you end up having to need more and more medication and you are right. It's, it's much easier to deal with if you can just keep those numbers smaller and keep your insulin sensitivity high. Exactly. I am treating type one the same way I was doing type two. I, I, I think the difference obviously is that is you're putting the insulin in your body. And a lot of people with type two use the insulin also because you know, the, 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 the insulin resistance is so big. And um, if you haven't listened to the diabetes code book, Lucy, like it. Oh, I, I've listened to it. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Oh my gosh. Like the, the science behind it, the way it's like dumbed down for us, like the explanation of it, it makes so much sense. When I understood insulin resistance, when I understood hyperinsulinemia, it was life-changing. I agree with you. And I think uh, it's really interesting because that's why this podcast is focused for type one and type two, because honestly, the same, you, you treat it the same way. Type two needs metformin sometimes, or it can be reversed through diet and fasting mm-hmm. type one. Unfortunately, we can't get off insulin because our pancreas is no longer working to produce insulin, but the way you treat it with the lower carbs and the fasting, they're both the same for both parties. You want to maintain insulin sensitivity and, you know, try to keep your weight in a steady range if you can. And that that's the key. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I feel like 
I nailed this lifestyle um, because I thought I could cure myself. <laughs> I was very hopeful, uh, but it, it just worked and I adopted it and it's, it's just some, life became just easier and I still enjoy delicious meals and I still, um, you know, I'm not sacrificing anything. People think I just eat lettuce and chicken. And I'm like, no, I eat really, really good food. Um, obviously, as a type one now, I, I, I love that I can enjoy more tomatoes because, you know, when I, when I was type two or I thought I was type two, tomatoes would spike my blood sugar a little bit. So I just I can manage it better. Like I think my average dose for lunch is like three units and my average dose for dinner is like four units depending what I'm eating like I can go if I'm going out to eat then I'll get the sweet potato fries and I eat half of it and then I put extra three units like I, I I'm okay with enjoying things here and there and you know a little bit yeah yeah and I you know what I also love about your story is and I was reading through your blog you're actually despite the fact that you have type one you're healthier now than you were before you got diabetes. 100%, 100%. I just got my cholesterol blood work done and I did my, um, how you call that? The total cholesterol, like my remnant is 14. My triglycerides are 70. Like I compared to when I didn't have diabetes and my cholesterol was scary. <laughs> and now I am way healthier. I don't have plantar fasciitis anymore. I don't have sciatic pain anymore. Uh, it's all these things because my lifestyle, I, I told you like the inflammation that it, the carb causes, at least for me, it, those, it makes it not worth it. That's why I don't eat bread. And I tell people I don't eat bread, I don't eat rice, I don't eat pasta. And they look at me like I have two heads. <laughs> yeah, but you know, after a period of time you get used to it and it just becomes your normal lifestyle. And you know, I'm going to a friend's house tomorrow for lunch. And he's like, do you have any dietary restrictions? I'm like, well, I don't really eat carbs anymore, but you know, and, and he writes back, oh, that's tough. Wow. And I'm like, actually it's not too bad. It's not what too bad. Know? Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. think it's like this horrible lifestyle or like, um, you know, I'd rather die if I cannot eat carbs. I'm like, no, it's not that bad. It's, it's not that bad. <laughs> no. Um, before we come up on time here, I, I want to ask you, um, well, I have a few more questions for you actually, but first, and we'll link to this in the show notes, obviously. You have a blog. What else yes. do you have going on? Tell me everything you have. Yeah, so I have a blog and I created the blog. So I first created the Facebook group. Uh, I actually just changed the name because I used to call it, um, when I first started, it was, it was just like 10 of us. And I said, oh, you're my fasting friends because everybody wanted to learn how to fast. So I called it Gloria Fasting Friends. And then they started inviting people. And then those people invited people. And then I'm at like 500 members, which is great. It was a little bit more active when I started in February. Because again, I created the blog when, when I started posting photos of my weight loss on Facebook and people was like, what are you doing? You, you know, you need to tell me what you're doing. I'm like, okay, just join this group and I'll tell, you know, I'll, I'll share more. And then someone said, well, but I have a friend who's not on Facebook Can you write a blog. And I'm like, okay, I'll write a blog. <laughs> because I also have a photography blog. Uh, I have my, my website uh, for, my, for my business. So I have to blog for my business and I have to blog for um, my health blog. So yeah, I, yeah, I sleep when I'm dead. <clears throat> so I, I created that group and then the, the blog came from that. And then I started sharing recipes 
uh, of the stuff I make. I love cooking. It's like my one of my therapies. So I started sharing some of the recipes I was making that were keto friendly, low carb friendly. I used to call it diabetic friendly because type two diabetics, you know, they got to eat less carbs. And people are like, oh, you should do a YouTube channel. I'm like, Okay, I do a YouTube channel. <laughs> I, I'm not active on it. Like I share a few recipes that I, I actually did it because I recorded these recipes of me making the dishes because I want my kids at some point to learn how to cook. And I'm like, mom's favorite meal, it's right there on the on the YouTube channel. So just go on it. Um, so that's that's what I have going. Um, I try to stay active on the Facebook group. Like I said, in the beginning, a lot of people were like chiming in and I'm trying this and I'm trying that and I've lost this, this much weight. Right now, <clears throat> it's not so active, but what I did, what I've been doing in that group is like sharing what I've learned as a type one that might shed light in other people's journey that they are not type one, but like almost like sharing the science behind it. So people cannot can put it two and two together and be like, oh, okay. So that works for me because of this. <clears throat> so that's what I've been doing. Um, I try to blog every couple of weeks, um, maybe a little bit more in the winter because I don't do as much photography as I do in the, in the spring and summer, but Again, it for me is more like a library that I can refer to. That because what I did works. There's no doubt what I did works, and it has worked for many people in my circle, and it has worked for people that I don't even know that found the group and or someone told them about it. I have people from all over the world reading the blog for some reason. They have found like I see where the visitors are coming from. I'm like what is this country? <laughs> but they're reading it. And, and, you know, hopefully what I, what my journey has, has given a little bit of encouragement that is possible because I think most people are looking for the magic pill to lose weight that people are not thinking about the long-term health. People are not thinking about the consequences of, of um, um, hyperinsulinemia or high blood sugars. They're not thinking of that. People don't really want to think about that. They just want to know how they can lose the weight and keep it off. So, but when you understand how it happens and how you can prevent it and how you can help your body heal, I think that makes a world of difference. And unfortunately, the answer is always going to be a low carb diet, for, at least for me. There are many ways to lose weight. There, there are people that have lost weight by a high, a high carb diet, but I tried it all. Listen, uh, when I, it was in 2018, I went on this macros diet and I paid someone to create this for me. I was eating 200 grams or 200, 200 grams of carbs a day. Like I was chugging protein shakes because I had to hit certain macros and it, it was, oh my God, exhausting. And did I did lose about 17 pounds, 18 pounds, but within a year I gained it all back. And I'm like, why, why? So I understood the whole starvation mode and your like the calorie deficit and why your body like kind of slows the metabolism down. And I read about the biggest loser study, like it was enlightening and it all comes down to insulin. <laughs> it was absolutely mind blowing for me to think that the answer was always insulin. And I didn't know this until someone told me you're type two. 
Yeah. And actually you bring up a really important point because I don't think I would have quite, well, no, I know I wouldn't, I would not have quite the appreciation I do for what insulin does in your body and why it's important to keep it low. If I did not have type one, because I think, you know, you know, before I had diabetes, I'd heard the word insulin before, but I never knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. Now I have such a strong familiarity with it and I know exactly what it does. And I understand exactly why I want to keep it low. And actually diabetes, whether you have type one or type two will inform you of that. And you, you really can understand what Dr. Jason Fung is trying to tell you. And, and you, you understand it at your core. It's not like a hypothetical concept. Exactly. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't stop the fasting. I could, uh, because now I, I use insulin. So I, I was using fasting to lower my blood sugars. So technically I don't need it anymore, but I understand the science behind that. I understand that when you're fasting, your insulin levels are the lowest, your blood sugar levels are the lowest, and that is healing the body from within. When you, we understand autophagy, when we understand like cellular repair and why it's important to give our bodies a break from food, from insulin, from, from, from glucose, it, it makes sense. And it's a practice that it's been done for centuries. Like every single civilization has done fasting at some point. Um, you hear the whole feast and fast. I went on a vacation um, a couple of weeks ago and I ate my three square meals a day and I had my alcoholic drinks and I had dessert for dinner. And the first thing I did as soon as I came back, I went on a 24 hour fast and it felt like, like all this water weight inflammation was like flushing out of my body. It's just incredible what a break from food can do to our bodies. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as we close here, I just, you're, your story, given how you went from thinking you had type two to now having type one, and just the fact that you're so recent in this type one journey, is there any advice that you would give to somebody who maybe in a similar situation to you, whether they found out that they have type two, or maybe they found out their type two turned into type one, or they found out they have type one, what would you say is the, the, the keys to get going in terms of managing your diabetes? I think definitely educating ourselves. If, if, if adults are getting diagnosed and getting the same treatment I did, you feel very lonely. Uh, it, your family, they, yes, they kind of feel what you're going through, but nobody really knows the, the pain that we feel is recently diagnosed, knowing that you, you know, you can die in your sleep or you're going to have long-term damage from, from high blood sugars, like all these thoughts, like, like your life will never be the same. So educating ourselves, it's to me, it's number one, because nobody has our interests in mind the way we do. So for me, taking my health into my own hands was absolutely important and finding what works. So I, I think I shared this on, on my blog that the first month was so much trial and error. And I realized, well, if I continue my low carb diet, I have less chances of a chronically high blood sugar. I have less chances of a really dangerous low. Why am I going to change that <laughs> if it works? Right. So I try to identify what works and do more of that and avoid what doesn't work. Um, I belong to groups and I see 
you know, people, and, and, and this is not judgment to anybody. I, I, I hope this comes across like not judgmental, but people dealing with crazy highs and crazy lows, and it's usually after a really bad high carb meal, right? Chinese food or pizza or tacos or um, Thanksgiving dinner, whatever. It's usually after a really high carb meal. So if you know that is causing these issues, why are we going to keep doing that? That means something is not working and we have to fix it. So I've had episodes of high blood sugars. I think my highest right now is usually like 220. That means I miscalculated five grams of carbs or 10 grams. Like it's not a big deal. I mean, obviously still high, but it doesn't stay high for more than an hour. I correct it and it comes right down. And usually my correction is so little, it's not going to bring me under 70. It's it, again, the law of small numbers. So just, just look at what other people are doing and compare to what they've been eating. I hear cereal is like the worst culprit. I, I, I don't eat cereal. I, I don't think I've had cereal in like 20 years. So, but I, I'm like, if that is not working, why are you going to keep doing that to ourselves? It's so bad. It's like, I read that the most damage happens with those spikes, like then if, then if it's like a sustained 180 or something like that. Um, again, I'm still learning, but I, I read that those crazy spikes is what causes the most organ damage. So why am I going to do that to my body? Why am I going to choose that just because it's delicious? It's not good for me. I, I think long-term, right? For me, it's like the end goal. I want to live a long, healthy life. I have too many plans and too many goals in my life just to punish my body with foods that are going to spike me or make me overcorrect or angry bolus because I cannot get it down. So just find what works, I guess. Wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for detailing exactly what you've been through and your journey has not been an easy one. And thankfully you have documented it all so that others can learn from everything that you've encountered along the way. And I just, I love your attitude through the whole thing. And I, I you might be the, of all the people that I've spoken to have figured this diabetes thing out the fastest. You are, <laughs> you are a very intelligent woman. You know what you're doing. So keep up the good work. And I can't wait to keep reading your blog posts because they're very, very interesting and very informative. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you. And, and yes, it hasn't been easy. I mean, you've done a way longer than I have, you know, how hard it can be, but we make it as hard as we want. That's, that's the way I think about it. Like I can make it really hard for myself or I can make it easy. It's yeah. my choice. Go the easy way every yes. time. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gloria. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.